good Wednesday evening. Welcome to another edition of the Sideline Junkies. Wednesday wind up live. It's me, it's me, it's the big guy KG sitting behind this uh, beautiful, beautiful logo of ours, sitting in with the one, the only, the incomparable, the undisputed, undefeated, greatest spoken word poet that we have in our room. Because, <laughs> hey, if you haven't seen it yet, we got to post it, but that's the Midnight Rider. Um, first and foremost, as usual, how you feeling tonight? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Got a little, had to get a little um, word in, snuck it on the Bible study right before we got started. So just try and get some energy back, get some, feed the spirit a little bit, man. Understand, understand. And nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, Man, first, <laughs> we got to start off with this. All-star game. All-star game. Okay. And what's crazy is they're talking about it as possibly the worst all-star game of all time. Right. Probably most boring, uh, which I didn't think it was boring. I saw a lot of good one-on-one matchups. Um, what, what was your react to the all-star game as a whole? Just the game. We, we talked about the weekend already, but just the game. So, I think I watched three minutes in the first quarter, and I turned it when I literally saw somebody. It was like somebody was running beside. Maybe it was Kyrie, and they just ran beside him. He took the layup, and they just walked back down court. And then it was like a couple rebounds where everybody was just looking to see who was going to get the rebound. So, at that point, I was like, all right, I'm going to go back because there was this other sport on. Um, that involves the rock that I decided to watch. And we'll talk about that later, maybe. Yes. Um, so I was going back and forth, but every time I turned back, it was either somebody shooting a 45 footer. It just wasn't a basketball game. It just seemed like it had no flow, not enough to keep my interest. So that's how we ended up watching more of the XFL than anything else. Here's my thing. Everybody was expecting this defensive battle off break and I, I was like no you're not gonna get that defense about it what's the the, the the scores to the first to 156 i believe i think they went to 184 um the other night okay it was whatever it is whatever it you know but the thing is in the first two quarters you know you're playing for charity whoever wins the first quarter second quarter you're playing for charity so it's just you know basically showcasing how much money you can make for charity then the third quarter, the same thing. In the fourth quarter, you kind of you try to keep it close, but then you kind of ratchet it up a little bit. And you say, all right, let's go ahead and win this thing. But see, everybody expected this defensive battle. You don't have defense played on a normal scale on, on a regular season game. Why in the world are you going to have defense in, in, in the, 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 the all-star game? I, I don't understand why everybody was getting bent out of shape about it. Like, come on, man. I think it's because we grew up on – even though it was an all-star game and maybe in the first quarter, you got away with some stuff. Second quarter, you made a game down the lane and got with, got away with something. But towards the end of that third <clears throat> and the beginning of that fourth, like guys came in and took, took it real seriously. They, they came in and decided to strap up. Guys were smacking the floor. floor. They, they were playing defense. It wasn't this buddy, buddy thing. And I think that's part of it. What we talked about earlier was the East and the West trying to get back to some of that 
because I think there was more pride. Like, you can't beat us because it's the West. I mean, now it's oh, I'm Team LeBron, and I don't think that carries anything. And maybe East and West doesn't carry anything. I don't know. But it's just – it just doesn't – I don't feel like there's pride in the product when, when they play like that. Now, that and part I, I do agree with. And I didn't expect a great defensive battle, but I expect at a certain point, like, we got to square it up a little bit. Um, you know, I, I don't. I didn't see the, the final box score, so I don't want to speak on that. But like, we got to have something. You know what I'm saying? I get it, and and I agree with that. I also agree with the East versus West because we had way more competition. Because the thing is, you had East versus West, and you know, in our generation, you had Jordan Barkley when he was in the East with Philly, um, Ewing. Uh, Pippen, and then depending on who was at power forward, I remember one year they put uh, they put Grant Hill at power forward and Scottie Pippen at small forward. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, yeah, what was that? That was a like, that had to be 95 or 96. Nope, 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 it had to be 96 because Jordan was on that team too. And I said, I guarantee you, the West is not beating that because you got a monster and Grant Hill and Scottie Pippen. And contrary to what people say, they were the same player for a little while. They both could handle the ball. They both could score on you, and they both could shoot. No, no. Grant was different. Grant was the prototype. Grant is the if there was a, a um how they do what is it called? It's like the 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 timeline of like the caveman, the evolution, the chart of evolution chart, evolutionary mm-hmm. chart. On the evolutionary chart, there would be when it comes to small forwards. Grant Hill would be the the prototype on that, but that gets you to LeBron, um, by way of the other great threes in between them that were dynamic in their own right. Like I think a Tracy McGrady fits in that chart because he was way different than any other small forward. Um, I never considered him a small forward. I always considered him a two guard, even though he was six seven. That that might be it too. See, so the, the language and all that, but I, I say Grant Hill is different from Scotty because Grant did a little bit of everything. And Grant just changed the game a little bit in that small window. I think Grant was almost like a, a, a um, what's the word I'm looking for? A snippet, a precursor into what we get 20 years later in LeBron. The the reason why I say they were the same for a short amount of, of time because they both both of them were point forwards. Now, granted, they consider Magic Johnson the first point forward. Magic Johnson was a point guard. He was right. a point guard first. The first point forward would be uh, probably Paul Pressey. Wow, and that's in the crates. You in the crates yeah. tonight? Yeah, because George Carl was the one that that came up with that and that offense in in, in Milwaukee at the time. Not Milwaukee, so, not Milwaukee. Um, that wasn't George Carl. That was uh, Don Nelson in Milwaukee. Right. He came up with that, and that that with Terry Cummins, Paul Pressey, uh, Sidney Moncrief, all of those guys. Craig Hodges was on that team too. So you had, you know, forwards that could bring the ball up like point guards. And Grant Hill and, and Scottie Pippen could do that. Even in that all-star game, I think it was two or three all-star games they played together that they, they were able to do that. You know, it was like them alternating. They were inbound, like Scottie would inbound to, to uh, Pippen and Pip would knock it back. I'm sorry, Grant Hill would knock it back to Pip and he would bring the ball up and they would set up. And, you know, at that time, Pip was coming into shooting a three and everything like that. Grant Hill would either hit you with the, the crossover, which they call what they have the Grant Hill gr- drill, 
that he would hit you the crossover, go by you, or he would pull up and shoot the jumper. And he could knock both of them down. And I was like, yeah, those guys, those are your two best small forwards in the league. I didn't think it was two better small forwards than those two guys at that time. That's just my opinion. No, I like it. I mean, I just, I just think Grant has, I think he's even like maybe if, if Pippen's on it, if the transition is from Pippen to Grant, if, if, if we even do that, because okay. I think Grant did some things a little bit different from Scotty. Like Grant was, Scotty was fast, but Grant was explosive. Yes. Like he was, he was, I'm here right now, but I'm gone right now. Mm-hmm. The only time he didn't have a, a, a strong left hand. So him, hit, him hitting you with the whoop whoop. I mean, and that's the technical term, the whoop whoop. Mm-hmm. Cause it was quick and it was just boom, boom. And I'm gone. See, that's how they these jokers now they they leave they they stick around yeah stick around count one Mississippi two Mississippi one two I'm gone I'm by you not to jump off subject but that's a conversation I had with Dario a couple weeks ago I said you supposed to go one two and you gone yeah Isaiah says it all the time exactly you can't go one two bring them back do one two can't bring them back no you see I said see that right there in my generation our generation but I was telling him I said in my generation that gets you punched in the mouth. Because you doing all of that, and then the first thing you do when you make that next move, you either catch an elbow or fist, mm-hmm. and then you're gonna lose the ball. And oh, ball, ball, ain't no more, ain't no ball. That's travel, bitch. My ball. And what can you say? Because then when you get all huffy and uh, you gotta remember where you at. Because if you right. down Anacostia, you down Berry Farms, you in some neighborhood that you don't know nothing about, or you don't even have no people there, and you get the jaw jacking. That's your ass, Mister Postman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta know, you gotta know who you're playing with. You you can't just do that. You do that when you're playing with kids, but when you're playing with grown men, it's one two go score. If you get by him, he's gonna tell you good shot, youngster. Mm-hmm. But then you'll have some old heads when you try to. He's gonna tell you, nah, play straight up. When you get by me, go by me. Do not come back and try to bring it back because you're not gonna get by me again. Everybody's not like that. But uh, as far as this All Star game goes. Um, I won't call it the worst. I won't call it the best. In my opinion, uh, we gave our top three, and it's plenty that we've had. Uh, matter of fact, All Star Game 2020 was pretty damn exciting. It was emotional, but it was exciting. Well, well, this one is one of the lowest viewed um, All Star games. The numbers aren't good on this on this at all. No. But you know they they also did halftime like it was a Super Bowl, and I'm like, yeah, I, you have performances, and I was like, yeah, you're in Utah, and you you had this, I, I don't know, it's just like the music didn't match Utah, and the energy of the crowd kind of sort of didn't match. Got you. And I was like, yeah, that's a that's more of a Atlanta thing, Texas, and you know maybe Chicago and New York. That but that I think that was the problem right there. Got you. You had the all-star game in Salt Lake City, Utah. But it's been 25 years since they've been there. Well, I mean, see, I wonder why. I, I get the Utah thing. I get the complaint, but you also gotta like some of the parts of the experience is giving these cities some exposure. Um, and Utah is actually playing had a had a surprising start to the season. Yeah, so that's true. Like you kind of get you kind of gotta reward some things. Um and just give people access to the building because maybe you see something in Utah. I'm not saying you're gonna move, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things where all right, you know what? 
I, this might be something interesting. And I like the way early on, and I didn't watch the whole thing, like I said, but I saw early on um, marketing got a couple buckets early. I don't know what he ended the night with. I think he ended with like 13. But he hit a couple baskets early on where you showcase the guy that's the home team. I don't think they did enough of that. But that's just how it used to be sometimes. You got a guy, if we in Chicago and Isaiah's there and, and Jordan's there, one of them two going to be the MVP. Yeah. We feed one of them two. And if I'm not mistaken, the last time they were in, no time before last, they were in Utah. Didn't uh, stock them alone? Yeah, I think they were co MVPs. Yeah. Or something. But they, they balled out. I mean, I get that. They balled out. And speaking of Malone, everybody acting like this whole thing with him and the 13 year old back in the day. And he was, oh, he was 20 years old and he, he impregnated 13 year old. Y'all act like this is new. I said this the last show. What was that Sunday? Y'all act like it's new. This is not new. This has been around for geez. His, so his, got to America. <laughs> his kids were in college. Yeah, it's been around for a long time. Oh no, it's it, it goes back to the days of when black men were breeders, and you bred with whatever female was there. And when women got to the age of of being able to carry a child, guys were older men were having sex with younger slaves to create this. So it almost yeah. became something they were indoctrinated into, and there's still a line from. My boy Eric Kellum's poem last night, he was like, you know, you put us, the Emancipation Proclamation freed the slaves, but they never had a therapy session to heal from the things that they did. That's true. And the the, the, the worst part about it is the, the news of Carl Malone doing this. This is like him being a deadbeat. He had twins. He had three kids that he had right. no hand in raising. Right. This is public knowledge. His daughter is an NBA, a WNBA legend, legend, Cheryl Ford, played right. with the Detroit Shock, won multiple. She led them to multiple WNBA championships. His uh, his son, Demetrius Bell, um, he played with Buffalo. He played with a couple of different teams in the NFL. I, know he was in, I think it was with the Rams at one point, too. And then his other son, uh, uh, Daryl Ford, I think he's successful in business. These kids are successful despite him not being in their life. And I'm like, this is not anything new. Yeah, because I grew up in a generation where my middle school, we had more BMWs picking up kids, and it wasn't parents picking up nobody, no girls. It was it was their hustler boyfriends picking them up. So <laughs> like it's part of our society. I mean, I think at times people forget that like we're tainted as a culture from certain aspects that we we never healed or never processed and never developed. Um, or never found a strategy around. Yeah. And in no way, shape, or form are we saying what he did was okay. We just saying right, it's right. it's been public knowledge for the longest. Everybody wants to act outraged now. Right. That's what I right. don't get. I don't get the outrage now. Where was this outrage when this came out 25 years ago? Because it wasn't important 25 years ago. Mm, now it's all of a sudden important. It was it's not, important. It's not, no, it's 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 all of a sudden now people want to have this 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 fake awe. <laughs> and, I, and I always call it I call it that because there's certain things like you can't you can't I'm gonna try to say this succinctly and not get on my soapbox, but you can't have these empty gestures without any action behind them. You can change all the names of the schools, you can change all the statues, but when that white cop still beats that black man and kills him and he gets time off with pay, you ain't solved nothing. And that's in my soapbox for this one. Hey. And that'll be the end of this segment. Let's move. Well, scale of one to ten. 
what you got for that All Star game? If you, I mean, Three. you didn't watch it, so you, yeah, it's gonna be low. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I had no reason. It did nothing to keep my interest. I'll give it a a, a six. Okay, I'll give it a six. Um, sticking with the NBA, moving right along. Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett <clears throat> made some comments over the weekend, I believe it was, about the criteria to get into the Hall of Fame. The, the I'm sorry, the pro the Naismith Pro Basketball Hall of Fame. Right. And what was said was you can't come in here without one of these and talking about the uh championship ring. Because when you talk about the best, the best have won it. I'm going to let you take this one first because I know I'm going in. So uh, what were your thoughts on those comments? Um, I get the sentiment. I definitely don't agree with the – I don't agree with it. Because you got a lot of great basketball players that defined this game and changed this game but didn't win titles. Perfect example is Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley was the only dude that made every dude undersized think he could take the basketball full court off the rebound. He's the only reason that dudes that were under 5'8 got in the post and thought they could bake. If Charles can do it, I can do it. I want to be like Chuck. <laughs> and I'm just dead serious, man. I mean, like, I think people, somebody else said it better. Um, I want to say it was TJ Hushmanzada. Because he was like, um, Rondé Barber got in the Hall of Fame. I don't think Rondé Barber was ever a top five player at his position for any stretch of time that I can think of. So I don't think Rondé Barber's a Hall of Famer. Now to bring it to basketball, I feel like if you're not one of the top five at your position in your decade, I don't – why are you in there? It's not the Hall of Good. The Hall of Pretty Good. And we see Scott Rowland in the Baseball Hall of Fame. We, are, we know already that baseball has said, fuck having standards – because we just want to get people we like in the Hall of Fame. This is not even the Hall of Fame. It's the Hall of People we like. We are doing away with numbers. We just like Scott Rowland. That's why he's in the Hall of Fame. We're not going to put Bonds in because we don't like him. I'm getting on a tangent. I'm sorry. Um, basketball Hall of Fame criteria. I think we need to – I think they're on to something, but I think it's wrong. I think it's a little, I think it's a little too ill-sighted because – Certain guys can get in the Hall of Fame if they win rings. So, are we putting somebody like, oh, what's my man? He was in Miami. He went with LeBron everywhere, and now he's the GM for um, is it James Jones? I think it's James Jones. Okay. Um, he's he's got like six rings because all he did was follow LeBron wherever LeBron went. Um. And now I think he's like the Phoenix Suns GM, or he was the Phoenix Suns GM for a minute. But, like, does he get in the hall because he got six rings? You know what I'm saying? Does Steve Kerr, because he got five, is he a Hall of Famer? Steve Kerr would be a Hall of Fame coach. Right, He'll but, get but as a you coach. Know what I'm saying? Like, like, because you're the – not even the Batman. You're the, you're the um, Aquaman. You're the Flash on a team. Um – you get to get in the hall? I, I, don't, I don't like it being that thinly veiled. Like I think there has to be more things to it than just a championship. My criteria would be if if I consider you top five in your era, you belong in the Hall of Fame. Now, I'm, I'm about to go in because go here's my thing. 
number one, I'm a huge KG fan. Uh, always have been, always will be. Uh, I love Paul Pierce, regardless of what I say about him, but he's fucking delusional. And you got two gentlemen who were pretty damn good when they play. I don't think Paul, I say Paul Pierce is probably top 10 at one point in the league, maybe top 10 shooting guard, never top five and never top three. In five years playing together, y'all got one ring. And these, this is probably the only squad that 2008 Celtics team that ride that one ring and they act like they played for the Celtics in the 50s and 60s and got 11. That, that's what they act like. They act like they're, they're the most decorated Celtics players of all time. You act like you can stand shoulder to shoulder with Bob Cousy and JoJo White and John Havlicek and Bill Russell. You act like you can stand shoulder to shoulder with them as Celtics. You can't even stand shoulder to shoulder with them. So what makes you think that you got enough goal, enough on your resume to tell a player that does not have a championship, a Elgin Baylor, a Charles Barkley, a Patrick Ewing, to tell these players, oh, you ain't got one of these, you know, you shouldn't be allowed in. And it kind of sort of was taken out of context, but you still said that. Yeah, that may be the icing on the cake, but a championship, that's the problem. A championship does not define a career because we went off of championships and nothing else. Everybody would say Elgin Baylor was a bum because he was 0-7 in the finals. All right. You People are saying it now because they give LeBron grief about being 4-6 in the finals. I said Jerry West is 1-8. But you don't give him grief. He's still the logo. He's still Mr. Clutch. But if you go by that criteria, these guys are bums. They're plumbers and firefighters. And we just was like, okay, let's put them in the hall because they're just okay. These are some of the greatest players that ever played. And some of them did not win rings. You get one ring and you think, oh, you just so much better than everybody. Well, the thing is, it's players that wasn't as good as you talent-wise. Robert Ory has, what, seven rings? Yes, sir. Steve Kerr has five. Uh, Cliff Levingston has two. Uh, 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 BJ Armstrong has three. Um, I can name players that are not in the Hall of Fame that have way more rings than Garnett and 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 Pierce. But to make this, it's disrespectful to the game. It's disrespectful to those that came before you. And I I, I felt honestly really really disrespected behind it because I'm just I'm looking at it. And I'm just I'm I'm going through. I went to the, the Hall of Fame and I just looked at players that's in the Hall of Fame already. And I looked at uh hold on. I looked at David Thompson. You telling me that David Thompson does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Can't uh, tell you. George Gervin does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Um <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just going through the list here. Uh, we, we had a conversation about Hall of Fame, and this is when we first started out. We were talking about who we removed from the 50 greatest list. And I remember we were talking about Bill Walton and Wes Unsell. And we were just talking about, it was like, you know, numbers-wise, those are your low guys on the totem pole. But we had a, the more we conversated about it, the more we shared videos, myself, uh, Junie, BJ, Big Jim, the more we sat around and we, and I think Delonte was in on this one too. And the more we sat around and we shared it, we was like, Wes Unsell was a rebounding fool. 
He only had 16,000 points in his career, but he was a rebounding fool. And you got to realize West was only 6'6". Isn't he, the, isn't he the father of the outlet pass? Yes. And I, if I'm not mistaken, that's that was Kevin Love's godfather. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, because that's where he got it from. And then we looked at Walton. We said, you know, Walton was probably arguably one of the greatest college players of all time. But injuries yeah. hampered his career and we was like yeah he didn't really we didn't get really get to see walton but i think walton's comeback season was 86 86 and 87 he he balled out he stayed healthy he balled out because he was in a six-man role but a lot of people see that and was like oh well walton wasn't that good but you also got to remember portland rode walton to a championship in 77 under over a team that over a philly team that was much better than them exactly but that came down to coaching because Dr. Jack Ramsey, I miss hearing him on the radio, God rest his soul. I love listening to him and Hubie Brown. With coaches that do radio, it's something great because the teaching. But, you, you know, people will look at numbers and say, well, he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. He's not one of the 50 greatest at the time. He's not one of this. He's not one of that. But you got to understand you're only looking at a snapshot. When you look at championships, when you look at points per game, you, you're not looking at the overall picture. So for them to say, oh, you got to have one of these, you have one. You have one. And you're telling people that have none that they, pretty much you don't belong here. You don't even go here. Why are you here? That's basically what you're saying. And I think that's the most asinine and backwards bullshit that I've ever heard in my life. Coming from two smart individuals who were KG is a legend. Paul Pierce is just he, he's a good he was a good player. I don't think he was Hall of Fame worthy first ballot but he was a good player but he's delusional when he said that his career was better than Dwayne Wade's oh my gosh that is the most classic video ever and and Jalen Rose had to check him dog when he said that he was comparable to Kobe dog right now I swear when whenever I need a pickup well I just need to laugh just watching Paul Pierce's face as he was as they was going through it and Jalen was like, hold on, hold on. And then Michelle Beadle, even though like nine times out of ten, I dislike her. But that one day she was on her good stuff. She was just hyping it up. And he was just like, what is it, four times all NBA? You only did it once. Uh, he's got three championships. You only got one. Oh, my gosh. That was such a beautiful day. Yeah. That, and then when Draymond was like, you came back for that Kobe tour. They don't love you like that. Yeah. My God. One of the greatest trash talking moments in the history of human beings. I'm sorry. And, and, I, and look, I'm I'm with you all the way because I, I look at it and I'm like, you know, you make these comments like you was an all world beater before Ray and, and and KG got to Boston. It was just you and Antoine Walker. And y'all you, y'all couldn't even make the playoffs more most of the time. You know, for the for the most of your the most part of your career, you didn't make the playoffs. You were bottom of the barrel. You was you you were scraping scum off the bottom. Stop it. Stop. And I that's that's my thing. Stop making it seem like your career was so great. KG, on the other hand, he had his run and he had his time. I think if they had one more piece in Minnesota that year, they probably could have got past Minnesota. But if I'm not mistaken, I think that's the year that they were missing Malik Sealy. They had a year with Malik, the year that Malik passed away. But yeah. then after that, they got a little guy named Wally Zerbiak. Um, and so as long as you got Wally Zerbiak in your team, I'm never you're not winning. 
I'm never well, here. Here's the thing. When they took on uh, 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 when they took on LA in the Western Conference Finals, like what did the LA beat them four two? Yeah, I think I think it would have been four three if Sam didn't get hurt. Yeah, and I thought about that. Now that was that was about what was that two thousand three? Was either three? I don't remember if they beat them in three or if it was in five when we had the um uh, when we had the higher guns on the team. Oh, hold on, let me find out. Minnesota T Wolves uh, conference finals because that's the year we had the mitten and the fail man. That was 2004. That's the um, that was uh, 2004. So that's the year that they lost to um, Detroit. Yep, that was higher gun year. Yeah, but here's Nobody the thing <laughs> here's the thing looking at that T Wolves team. That was about what? That was about four or five years my, uh, after Malik Sealy's untimely death. If they would have had Malik Sealy, it would have been a different game. If they would have had another player that could get buckets, they needed scoring. And that team finished first in the Midwest. They won the Midwest. Flip Saunders got his got on man. God rest Flip. I love, I've loved Flip for years. Um, they had uh Sam Cassell, KG, former uh Bulls, Trenton Hassel, the mayor Fred Hoiberg, Troy Hudson, Irvin Johnson. That's not magic. Um, oh, that's the big man from New Orleans, yeah, yeah, they can't dance. Yeah, <laughs> they had the candy man, Michael Oliver Candy, Latrell Sprewell, Gary Trent, Wally Zerbiak, oh, oh, Gary Miller. Trent. yeah, Gary Trent for and oh, see, my guy. Here's the thing, even with Spree, Cassell, like I, I used to love the way Spree ran the floor, but Spree, Cassell, KG, Oliver Candy had a rebirth there. Like it was so much that they had, but they didn't have enough. They needed one, maybe two more players that could, could drop buckets. They needed a Kyle Corver, you know, somebody that can shoot from long range. I think that team, I think that really, I think Cassell, and I say they wouldn't, it was 4 3 LA out of some um, hubris. But I think um, Sam, if Sam is healthy that whole series, it's a it's a lot different series. Um, we have to dig down, um, not say we, but LA has to dig down deep to get, get out of that series. Because that's still, I think that's in the midst of the trial going on with Kobe or either right after or right um, in the midst of. So that was also a wild time for them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that's and, the thing that everybody forget about that set. And you know what's crazy is during that whole thing. Uh no, that was 2003. That was 2003 doing that. Okay. And what's crazy is during that whole trial, I said, man, like Dave Chappelle made a joke. He said, I don't know what is going on with Kobe Bryant. It's like the judge tossed him the ball and was like, play me for your freedom, nigga. And <laughs> He would just come out. This dude would fly in from court, drop 30, fly back out to Vail, Colorado, do another day of court proceedings, come back, drop 45. And that whole time, now granted, I would at, around that time I couldn't stand the Lakers because they were front runners. I couldn't stand Kobe Shaq, couldn't stand nothing about the Lakers because they took my coach and they they started running off. I mean, that's what I do. But that whole time, I was like, damn. This dude has to be one of the strongest 
strongest mentally tough dudes because you're going through this and you're still coming out doing your job like it's dudes that would have cracked under pressure doing this and i just was like man i now granted i defended him vigorously about this whole thing and you know come to be true which i knew it would be because it's kobe Bryant. what do you got to take it for <laughs> fuck you mean but anyway anyway um but that was a, a trying time that whole that 2000 i'll say from 2003 to about what when did shot get traded oh five yeah yeah from, that was a trying time in la period but i just always felt that you know i thought that the timberwolves could have beat them if they would have had just one or two more pieces but back to what we were talking about with the whole criteria for the hall of fame they got to stop this man and just like uh uh jj reddick got his shit dug in by the great dominique wilkins about you know we had our time now it's the young guy's time stop comparing errors because you you, you it's a no void uh, um, a moot point the argument is null and void stop making it yeah, the, the, the like these guys back in the day they was doing other stuff and then coming in playing themselves in the shape you didn't have uh, um uh, uh um cryotherapy and all this other stuff <laughs> back in the day you know what I'm saying? Back then, you tore your ACL. They was putting like a um chicken, I mean a pig ligament in your knee. You yeah. know what I'm so like these like these guys have this thing like they think their error is so much. I mean, your error is you you're physically better. Cannot take that away from you. You you're better skilled. Okay, if you want, if you say that. Um, but I think there's a skill to the fact that. There's a generation or two generations that when they dribble the basketball, you could never break your wrist to dribble the basketball. Um, <laughs> so, again, that might be old man shaking his fist at the cloud, but you know, there's certain things that you guys they get away with um, that I don't think it would have never flown back then. Then they don't even think about the fact that the racist element of the officials. Yeah. How, Certain certain teams aren't going to win just because they might have too many black dudes on their team. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we, we, we we're, we're, there's so many layers of this of of our era that of eras before us that you don't even take into account because, like, think about the guys that never got an opportunity to play NBA basketball because um, the color of their skin they couldn't get to a certain school to get to that opportunity. Or they weren't allowed to have the opportunity because they had to work on a farm because their, their parents were sharecroppers. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I can we can go into history so much and so far that like there there's just there's reasons why you we can't compare generations, and I don't like doing it a lot. Yeah, and I agree with that because like I seen a video earlier today, and the video the dude was like, it, the caption was send this to any Jordan fan. I mean, Jordan Stan is what he called it. Right, right. And it was, Jordan had uh, Starks ISO'd on the block. He's like, see how everybody's standing around because of illegal defense. They couldn't do nothing. No. Because of illegal defense, you couldn't be in the lane more than three seconds. That way you couldn't clog the lane. Because big men used to clog the lane so you couldn't get to the basket. So they put in illegal defense. The thing is, if you're going to double, you have to actually go to double. One thing you did not do is double Michael Jordan on the baseline because you think you double him to the inside, he's going baseline. You double him to, you know, if you double him to take a baseline away, he's going around the middle. He's going to get by you one way or another. 
And I'm like, yo, this is a small snippet because you've seen them playing ISO one time. You think that's the whole reason why Joe, oh, anybody could have scored 50 on this. I could score 50. Kobe would have dropped 100. Kobe played in that era too. That's what you forget. Kobe had two primes. He had the number eight prime with Froby, and then he had the Black Mamba prime. You got to realize he played in the 90s. He played in the early 2000s. He played in the 2010s. Right. This dude played in three different decades. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it with the revisionist history and players thinking their career was better than what it was. Stop it with the the the, 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 the comparing of errors and saying that, oh, well, Jordan was guarded by, by plumbers and, and, and firemen when he was guarded by some of the greatest defensive players to ever play this game. Please stop it. Like you, you, you're cheapening the game thinking like that. You're cheapening the game talking like that. You know, and I, I love the game of basketball. I love the fundamentals of it. But I guarantee you right now, <clears throat> if you took one of these new dudes and not even dropped them into the 80s or the 90s, if you took them and you played defense on them the way we played defense when we were growing up, where you could actually hand check. I could take my hand and put it on the small of your back and guide you where I wanted you to go. If I wanted to guide you into a double team, I would do it. But I could move you where I wanted you to go. I could bang you down on the, on, on the block. You know, this soft, hardest stuff that they play now, man, I don't know what it is, but this ain't basketball. We don't, like, they play soft, harder on the playgrounds now. So I don't know what it is. And I will be the old man shaking his fist at the, at the cloud for this one. Moving right along. XFL, how did you like the first weekend since you said you watched it? You watched it instead of the uh, the All-Star game. How did you like it? So it's a two-phase thing. So Saturday I watched, and I think you could tell that these guys that played, they had gotten together for five weeks, and the football wasn't crisp, um, but they still made some plays. They still had some options, some action. Um. I like the fact that there's no kicking extra points. You either, if you line up at the at the two, you get one. Um, and you, if you line up at the five, you get two points. And if you line up at the ten, you get three. As long as you have a successful conversion. So I like that element because now, honestly, if you score, you can have a nine point score, and that could either cut down the lead and put you back in the ball game, which you end up seeing in the um, I think it was the the Vipers game. Where they actually came back and won the ball game. They, I'm sorry, they come back on and they lost the ball game. Um, it was the Ball Hawks. Um, they did that. So then you also had the instead of having an onside kick, you had um, a fourth and 15 conversion, and then the drive just picks up from there. So you start at the 20. It's fourth and 15. You could um, the team made it and they just continued on with the drive down the field, and that's how the um, the St. Louis Ball Hawks won their game. Uh, what else was the interesting? The the replay. So there was a play in one of the games where, in the one of the Saturday games where, um, a defensive lineman basically cheap shot the guy. I think he hit him in the in the um, in, in in the in the family planning section, and um, <laughs> so they rushed like you could hear the replay guys trying to get to the angle where they could see it, uh, which made that exciting too because you know in the NFL. You see the same replay over and over from maybe three different angles, but nobody's really talking you through it. And, and you got Dean Blandino, who's the official for the XFL, walking you through and like walking through the replays and trying to find it. 
Uh, that was exciting. But then we get to Sunday. Sunday, the first game, eh, blah, didn't care. Um, but then Sunday night, I'm on my way home. I dropped Josh off. Um, I just turned the radio on. And the Washington or the D.C. Defenders, they're doing a pregame show. But if you if you listen in the background on that pregame show, you can hear so much. You can feel the energy through the through the radio. And I, I don't get hype off pregame shows, but this was just like, yo, these jokers really in DC, really trying to. We we want this. We we want to see. We want football back in DC, and we showing people we want football back in DC. Um, and then when you get to the game, you got the beer snake going. You got guys dressing up with with shields, and I saw your thing with left hand left shield up. Um, Who are we defenders? <laughs> um, yeah, please God no. But um, it's a movement, baby. But 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 it's the thing. And and, and and watching that game, that game turned when they took the beer snake. That crowd got so electric, and that section got so raucous. They were singing the whole game like it was a soccer game. They were chanting the whole game. They were cheering the whole game. The beer snake got taken. They started throwing lemons. And then right after that, your man Greg with the second G means genius dialed up some pressure. Um. Roll the corner up. We got a pick six. When that pick six happened, man, if there was no person with a dry jacket shirt or whatever in that that end zone section, because all you saw was like beers and whatever went up in the air, stuff came down. Um, it was electric. And and I say all that to say that this thing has a chance, but it won't get smoking until we get about four or five games in because they didn't have a chance to do anything. Will will it be NFL football? No, but it'll be enough entertainment um, that we can get going, and you can kind of follow along if you don't want to. It may not be an every week thing that you watch, but you might watch every other week, and especially DC, especially when they're at home. I'm I'm, I'm thinking about going. There's a game March 5th at one o'clock. Um, depending on my schedule, man, I might be there. Me and Josh may have to go. You know what? I said the same thing. I said, you know, I need to show up at one of these games because it's needed. It's required because I saw what you saw. And I, I'm still trying to figure out why security decided to take the biz snake. If that's that's a tradition. Right. Well, and I think I think that also helped them too, though. Yeah, yeah. But and I love when they start throwing lemons. I was like, I don't know who got all these lemons, but damn it, throw them. Throw them damn lemons. But I, I'm I'm really intrigued because you know here in DC we got an XFL team. The first go round we didn't. Uh, of course, the last time we did. Uh, now this is the reboot for the third time because COVID knocked out the second the uh, the second iteration of it. Right. What's crazy is the NFL is going to use not only the XFL; they're going to use the USFL to try out different things. And see how this works, how they go over with the fans, but how it works. They're going to tweak things. And I like that the NFL is embracing this because then you can say, and I've said it for years, maybe you need something like a minor league for the NFL where you can say, Hey, I can stash players here like the G league. And I remember the G league was a little bit bigger and, you know, but now you got, you know, two teams sharing. Sometimes you got two teams in the, in the, in a region sharing one one g league team but 
everybody has a minor league system except the NFL. The NFL had NFL Europe, then they changed it to Europa, and they messed it up. But that that and they they killed me because I was a Barcelona Dragons fan since like ninety. But you had these teams, and you could have used these teams as minor leagues like you were doing guys were getting sent over to nfl europe to hone their skills and you were sending coaches over there to be interns and you know saying okay you got it come on over this is what the nfl needs they need they not to say that you know one's league is above the other but you have these two leagues to use as minor league systems where you can send rookies down to and things of that nature i like this i like the way this is going I'll have to double check. I know for a fact XFL has an agreement with NFL. I don't know if the USFL has that same agreement or same arrangement in terms of rules and sharing things and information. So I'll do some research on that and try to figure that out. Um, I hope so. Go Thursday or either um, Sunday. But the other part about it is the kickoff. The kickoff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I love that. Um, even though the guys are at like the I think the kickoff goes from the 30. Um, the two teams are lined up at the opposite 35 and 30 yard line. You can't move until the ball is touched, and then everything breaks loose, but it embraces the return, and yes. that's so key about it. And the same thing with the punts. I think the punt, there's a rule where I think you can't really leave to a certain point, and I don't know exactly when that is, but um, and that's again something we gotta research because we're just getting into this. Um, but I like some of the things they're doing just to create energy and create movement in the ball game. Agreed. So I, I definitely like that. Uh, you know, that kickoff return, you know, since we went from the five man wage to the three man wage to the two man wage to no wage. Yeah, to no wage. Because we very rarely get a kickoff return. You know, punt return maybe. But very rarely do we get those kickoff returns. And I remember when I when we were younger, you know, you always heard about your your your, your Vasica Hemmers and and your Mel Grays and your Brian Mitchells and your Deion Sanders. If Deion was back on kickoff return, you might as well go ahead and chalk that up as a touchdown. Right. That, that was a TD. But those guys would return kicks, and you know, they could return two or three sometimes in a game for hundred yards touchdown. You know. But you don't get that no more. How was the last time we had a kickoff return for a touchdown? Your boy um, Quarterell does it at least once a year, but it's still it's. I get what you're saying because it's not prominent and it's not something that always happens. A lot of times now for me, I mean, once the extra point goes up, and I really don't even watch the extra point because, like I always say, I've never seen the person stop and say, "Ooh, let me see if they're gonna make this kick." If they make it, they make it. It's one point. Yeah, but when there's one point, you really need that one point. All right, I'll make watch it then. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm going to pee, going to get a beer, and I might grab a wing. Here's my thing with the kickoffs, though. I like this the way the XFL does it. I like that because the way the NFL is doing it now, when you get that kickoff and the ball bounces in the end zone, if it doesn't bounce out of the back of the end zone, that's a live ball. Not if you do the holy the cross signal or whatever it is. I don't yeah. know, man. See, that's another thing that annoys me too. I don't like that because that's always you can do the cross signal. You can put your arms out all you want. It's still a live ball. Well, of course, that ball is not. I don't and see. I don't like that. 
Because that that's ball, the, that's the dumb part about it. Yeah, totally. That ball can bounce in the end zone, and nobody downs it. You know, you don't get on top of it. That should be a touchdown for the other team. Just like if that was a punt, I I, I don't I hate it when Madden does it, and the ball bounces in the end zone and it bounces out of the end zone. You know that that's a touchback on a punt. But if it bounces in the end zone and spins there, and nobody from the opposing team you know touches it. Like if I'm the receiving team and I don't touch it, but you don't touch it, and you walk away from it, like that play, uh, the Rams versus the Saints that go, it's been going around Facebook for the longest, where the yeah, Rams player scooped it up and took it on up the sideline. But that's actually the the Saints touched it. So so what makes that play unique is once the if the Saints touch it and the ball just sits there, he picks it up. There's no the technically the play is dead. So anything happens after he touches that football. Is it's either a touchdown or it comes back to the spot. So it's one of those um weird rules in the in an NFL playbook. I mean in the rule book. Mm. So if he had fumbled that, it still would have been Rams football. Um from I think it was in the end zone, so it would have been from the 20. Yeah. It's just like that once the, the stupidest rule the NFL has is when you fumble out of the end zone, it becomes the other team's ball at the 20 yard line or something like that. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, yeah, doesn't I, make I, sense to me, but not yeah. at all, not at all. But uh, we're gonna stick with football, we're gonna move over to the NFL because I, I, I really got to get your thoughts on this. Shady, McC- Shady McCoy don't believe in EB, and that EB is Erg B. Enemy. He, he made a statement saying that Erg B. Enemy will be exposed because Washington ain't Kansas City, and whoop de boop, and yada yada. Uh, let, 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 me, let me take this one first. Let me let me yeah, take this yeah, one. Yeah, let, me, yeah. let me take this first. Here's my thing. That sounds real bitter and 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 just like utter bullshit. Now, on a football level, you know, you play for this man, you're the only person coming out and saying that he's gonna be exposed. Everybody else is like, okay, good job. He's gonna do it. You know, even Jamal Charles said it, uh Tyreek Hill has said it. You know, he well, Eric B. Enemy has never led no meeting. He ain't the guy to talk to, and this, that, and other. Shady McCoy just seems real bitter. And Tyreek Hill said he he bitter because EB told him to uh, tuck the ball, and he didn't do it, so he benched him. Now, three rookies. On the flip side, as a black man, for you to say these type of negative things towards another black man who's getting an opportunity to be just an offensive coordinator. Yes, he deserves to be a head coach, but right now he's an offensive coordinator. So I'm not saying, oh, let's be satisfied. Let's, But no, you should not be tearing this man down. Like, this dude looks like you. He has the same skin color as you. Why are you tearing him down? Why? TV gig. Yeah, I, I don't give a damn. You know, you know, he just became he just he just moved himself into the realm of the self hating Negro, such as Jason Whitlock. And 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 we get to this conversation without Jason Whitlock and Rob Parker. Rob Parker, that's the boy name because I don't like Rob Parker. And Rob Parker only made one comment that made me not like him, and that's when he said that RG three didn't know how to be black. He's a cornball brother. He's got plenty of other takes that are equally as dumbass and asinine. I, I couldn't listen because he got who who he do a podcast with. He do a show with he somebody. Does it, he does it with Chris Broussard. It's the yeah. Most, I call it the most annoying podcast because I like Chris Broussard, but I can't listen to Rob Parker. 
So I, ref- I it comes on on Sirius XM and I, I refuse to listen to it. I'm like, I want to hear Bruce Saw, but I don't want to hear Ron Parker. I'm gonna hear I shit mean, you got to say. You can you can have Bruce Saw too. <laughs> but this is the realm that he's he's put himself in. Like, why are you why are you worried about this man being exposed? If if that's the case, why are you worried about that? Why why did you even have to say that? Why can't you just say okay? Good landing spot for him. You know, he got a great running back room. And, you know, apparently he gets to put his staff together. So that means uh, potentially Jennifer King will be out as running back coach. I hope she lands somewhere else if she is, because she's a pretty damn good running back coach, as you can see with our running backs the last two years. Um, But he's putting his staff together. He has a great room and it's only going to get better. He has Antonio Gibson. Brian Robinson, Jared Patterson, uh, 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 Williams. So that's four. And if we if McKissick is not career ending, he comes back. That's five. I just don't see him coming back. I don't see them bringing him back. I, I I don't think his neck has healed because they said it was pretty bad. His neck was pretty bad. So I, I'm not sure. I, I don't want to speculate. I'll, I I'll say it this way: as a team, I wouldn't bring him back. Just, just, just on, for my, from my point of view, my standpoint, um, if he's going to play again, it's got some other coaches have got to deal with the ramifications of playing him again in a football game. I'm not going to have that on my head. Got it. And I understand where you're coming from. And then on the EB thing, um, I feel like Shady's trying to find his place in, in his voice in the media. Um, and I think he tries to say some some controversial things to get him some 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 clicks, and that's what you're supposed to do when you're on a show like Fox. Because um, I don't know if this is speak for yourself, speak for your mama. I don't know. I, I was disappointed that um, my girl Joy Taylor's over there with her, him and Acho because she had a good thing going with Cowherd, but I guess she wanted the opportunity to kind of have her own thing um, and talk more. So I, I give her props for that. Um, Acho is vastly improved, but I don't know. I, I'm not a big McCoy guy. Uh, I, I like him. I, mean, I don't like him. I, I'll listen to him. But I think this is more than one of those Fox Sports, we try to make a splash comments. Um, let's, let's get ourselves in a news cycle a little bit um, and go from there. Acho got his career ended by Eli Apple's mom. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. I don't but, even need to know. <laughs> yeah, she. Later. Oh yeah, she went in on him. Okay, she went on him and his him and his career because he mm-hmm. said something about Eli Apple and she didn't care for it. So Mama Apple had something to say, but um, Eli, Eli and I have had a yeah. I tried to show the kid love because I knew his first two years he had some stuff going on with his mom's health wise. So I figured he needed a break. But now, uh, yeah, wash my hands. Go ahead. What's next? Well, all right. Let's. Uh, I wanted to just get to this real quick. Um, should we hit the panic button on the caps? And I, I thought. The best, <laughs> the best person I ask would be you. So I'm taking that as a yes. So I think we have a couple days until the trade deadline. The problem that the, the caps are going to have is it's twofold. 
Um, you're getting, you're just getting the Veskin back. You got Tom Wilson. Um, oh, what's my man's name? You just got number 20 back. I can't think of his name off the top of my head right now because it just popped out as, as I was about to say it. Um, but you got two guys back yesterday. You get Ovechkin back. Um, you're tied for 10th. And I think if somebody wins tonight, you may fall to 11. Um, I, I say hit the panic button because if you don't show anything in these next two or three games right before the trade deadline, I think you got to let some people go. Because you got a couple guys that are going to be free agents, um, especially defenseman-wise. You're going to have a couple guys that are going to be free agents, unrestricted free agents, that you can actually try to turn and flip for maybe some draft commodity um, and try to build this up or rebuild this the best you can um, through acquiring picks like you and I like to do in the drafts. Um, so I, that's what I see. I did hit the panic button, um, and I didn't hit it until last night. Uh, I, I kind of saw the Carolina loss just because of where it was, um, the pomp and circumstance around the event. I just thought Carolina was going to have too much emotion that the Caps couldn't match, um, being down the players they were down. And then they had a bad travel game where I think they played one night and then they traveled in the city the next night on the back-to-back. And the team they were playing was rested. So And and I think Al Coker and those guys called it one of those games that you just knew it was going to be an L um, just because of the way the, 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 the travel and everything was set up. So I think they lost five or six, and they're struggling. Um, it's, it's, it's not pretty. They're not scoring goals. Um, Kuznetsov has failed to show that he's the second coming of anything. Um, you're not getting anything from Anthony Manta. So, I mean, they have guys that are supposed to be players that aren't giving them anything. Um, they're struggling to score goals, especially five on five. The power players become um, – pretty much non-existent so yeah i'm definitely hitting the panic button and i'm almost hitting the rebuild button at the same time but i think i haven't hit that just yet because i think i want to see what it looks like and see if we can save anything okay i gotta let you have that because uh i'm i'm, I'm always I, I i i get i get cringy around this time when it comes to the caps because i'm like yeah i want to hurry up and fucking win <laughs> <laughs> so we can go to the playoffs. That's what I want to do. Uh, speaking of hurrying up and winning, uh, your Nats thoughts before we get out of here, because I said something to you, and I said, you know, maybe the, the way this team is constructed, maybe they do have a snowball's chance in hell of winning 80 games this year. And I don't know if you agree with me. If they took every freezer in the world and put it in hell, put it on high, you could not create enough snow to make a snowball mm. for them to have a chance to win. I, I mean, I think, I think honestly, for them to be, uh, uh, um, I'm trying to say this the right way and try to be succinct about it. For this team to be in the playoffs, Colorado, somebody's gonna have to have two guys gonna have to have a career year, and that those two guys will be two guys outside of Joey Manessas. So it would have to be like Manessas has a career year. Ruiz has a career year. Um, you either get something great out of a guy like Dominique Smith um, or C.J. Abrams lights it up as a as a leadoff hitter. He becomes a guy that's going to get you 40, 40 steals, maybe 15 home runs. Um, Luis Garcia actually plays um, above average defense at second base, uh, which, which also helps your pitching staff. 
Um, Josiah Gray has to win somewhere between 15 and 18 games for you. Um, you would have to have Patrick Corbin come back to being somewhat of a decent pitcher. His ERA cannot be five this year, and you expect them to win um, 75 to 80 ball games. You need somebody in the bullpen to actually have a post and be able to get you up 40 plus saves. You need um, Cade Cavalli to get you 10, 11 wins. You need um, Mackenzie Gore to give you um, 10 to 12 wins and I'm under four ERA or 4.5 ERA. You would need Robert Hassel, um, Carter Keeboom, somebody like that to come up and give you a solid couple months where they just get hot and put the team in a place where they don't lose much. And this team is one of the top defensive infields in baseball. I said a whole lot there because that's what it's going to take for that team. Because <laughs> you, who, like my sister, no, I'm glad you even asked this question. My sister texted me this morning. She said, I don't know if this is content, but I looked at the night's schedule and I don't see a bunch of bobbleheads on the schedule. I said, Who are you going to make a bobblehead of? You can't have Joey Manessa's bobblehead night. You can't have Steven Strasburg bobblehead night because you don't even know if he's going to pitch. What you going to do? Had a bobblehead with a um, with a shoulder um, brace on it or a shoulder harness on it? Yeah. Like, this is a, that's the, the problem right now is so many question marks with this team that I can't find. More than I can't find 70 wins. I just can't find it because I'm asking too many questions. And if it happens, you know me. I will I will love it. I will be proud to eat the crow that, that's out there. Um, but I can't, I just don't see enough to make it make sense. The math ain't math, KG. I gotta take your word for it because this is your team. Now you talked about eating crow. We're gonna wrap this thing up. Uh get your hot sauce ready because Georgetown won one last week. Uh I th- who did they beat? Was it Butler? So now let's see, hold on, hold on. So we got up to forgot what number we got up the first time, and we were at five now. So you're like two for your last 27, and you want me to eat crow. You're gonna eat crow. Because of what? It's crow. <laughs> you know what? I almost you know what? See, I was trying to woo. You lucky I got a little confidence in my spirit, and I was being merciful because I was going to start a countdown since y'all took the countdown to zero, and I was going to feature all players that had the number zero and restart the count, but I wasn't going to do that. I was like, this is my man, KG. You know what I'm saying? I'm not really hating on Georgetown. I just think it's fun that we get to name players um, that wore these numbers, and you learn a little bit about the sport of the sports world, and I try to make it fun because, for me um, – I feel bad for Pat because you said it before. Like when you have a when you come away from a year and you lose your top three recruits in the class, it resets your program back actually two years, not one year. Um, when you have the COVID year, that sets your program back. So I just think it's time they got to they got to do something. Like I think Georgetown, I think Syracuse, um, I think Villanova is going to be in this boat. Like some of these teams at St. John's is already in this boat where because these glamorous coaches are gone and those legacies are gone, that they're going to fall by the wayside in this new hybrid basketball world that we're living in. Well, yeah, I agree with that. And that's the the problem. When legendary coaches leave, it's a task to fill in, fill their shoes. Now, Craig Gastrick struggled here. Um, 
then JT three came and he kind of had some success. And then his last three years, it was, it was rough. Um, when Gary Williams left, uh, Maryland, who, who took over Turgeon took Turgeon. over, but Turgeon and, had the same situation. Turgeon yeah. had the class with, um, what was his name? Diamond. Um, I forgot Diamond's last name, but he was the six, eight. I called him, um, baby Othello Harrington. Cause when I heard about him, I think he was seven feet. Diamond Stone. And by the time Diamond Stone got to, to Maryland, I think he was like 6'9 or 6'8. So I called him the incredible shrinking Harrington. Because um, <laughs> you remember them days that you, everybody was telling you Othello was 7'1. Yeah. He was down in Louisiana, and then all of a sudden he got to campus and he was yeah. a hot 6'9, 6'10 on a good day. Right. Um, he was the last great, no, no. Well, he was the last great big man to come out of yeah, Georgia. Yeah. yeah. Cause I can't, I really can't count Hibbert like I want to. Even Big John called him the Big Stiff. He was like, "That boy need to loosen up." <laughs> um, who else? Um, he had, he had Strawberry. He had the kid that went to Suitland. I can't think of his name, but he was done after a year. Like a lot of the, a lot he of he had Mellow Trimble too. Yeah, and Trimble was one of the guys. I said if he didn't, I actually made a post, and I feel bad for the post. No, I don't. Um, where. It was his junior year. I said he had to leave now. And then I posted a passport because I said if he stays another year, this is the only way he's playing professional basketball. But Trimble did leave early. He left after his junior He left a year later. He stayed a year too long. I, then he must have left after the junior year because I think he – yeah, because he wanted to come back to school. He was he considered a, 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 a lottery pick and he stayed. He stayed a year too long. Because I think I always tell people when it comes to college basketball, the worst thing you can be is a junior or a senior going into the draft. Mm -hmm. You, you don't that. have you don't have a value, and it's 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 the the opposite of what it used to be, right? Where you wanted that 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 senior. Oh, he's a fifth year senior, so that means he he focused last year on nothing but basketball. Yeah. You know that's what it was. I mean, most of the time, because I remember Maryland had a fifth year senior in two thousand one. I can't remember it was a big seven foot one and he sat at the end of the bench but he was on the team but he was at the end of the bench can't remember his name i just remember he was a fifth year senior and he was just seven feet he was just tall that's it but he didn't even he didn't he wasn't looking to play in the nba he was just looking to get a master's degree that's all he was trying to do he was why i might as well play basketball while i get a master's degree he had a career elsewhere but I think that has to change because, but only way that's going to change is no, because you think about AAU, you play AAU all year round. Then you got the high school basketball season. Then after that, you go to college and then you got the college season and you pretty much with all the AAU that you've played in the last few years and the high school basketball, you equaled up to probably four years of college or three years of college at least. Playing against top talent, so you know it, it, doesn't, equal it, up because, it doesn't equal up because the skill develop is, the skill development is not there. I watched Baylor and um, was it K State last night? No, it was Texas A and M. Um, I watched it. I watched a couple games last night, and there's this one small thing that infuriates me with today's game is. There's a guy that could be at the three-point line. He can swing the ball to the other elbow. And 
what happens in today's basketball is if I'm guarding or if I'm in that zone where the guy at the three-point line that made the pass all the way over to the other side of the court, now I'm hugging up on my man that's one pass away. And you don't hug up on the guy one pass away because essentially all you've done is open up the lane. And if you got anybody that can shoot a jump at the elbow, it's a pass to the elbow, turn around, shoot, and you done killed your defense. Or they get to the elbow, and now you got two-on-one or three-on-two, and now you – I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's just – like, for, for me as a coach, I just get – I get frustrated watching basketball sometimes because we don't do the simple thing. Like, we worry about the extreme. Like, if that guy – if there's no swing pass that's going to beat you back to your man. Not. Sorry. It's just not going to happen. So, like, if you stay fundamentally sound – like, I used to – we used to hold ropes – at one point, to make sure that person came over, you know what I'm saying? You can't hang out over there because you got to come over and guard the middle, plug the middle at mm-hmm. least. So it's just little stuff that when I watch games that, like, it's just we getting so many bad – we've gotten these kids into so many bad habits, and we don't have the time to correct them because they're going from one gym to another gym, and they're just playing games, and they're playing games. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm and saying? Then- and then their skill coach, he's working on everything but – the he's working on the, the talent. The ability, the skill set. He's not working on the mentality. And that's the problem I have with the game now is there's no one working on the mental aspect of the basketball game with some of these kids. And that's where they're feeling themselves. I mean, think about this RJ Hampton. RJ Hampton just got cut and he, I think he's selling, signing in, um, in Detroit. RJ Hampton was the 24th pick in the draft. And the year before that, he was supposed to be the number one or he was a top kid getting recruited by Kansas and all those places, but he decided he wanted to do the LaMelo, go overseas, play ball, earn some money. I think he barely averaged 10 points. He flopped out there, came home early, and then fell down to 24. He was supposed to be a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. You know, but these guys, they, they get to places and they get in these countries and where they have to, they have to be um, as mentally sharp as they are physically sharp. And that's, and that's the brand they're doing. That's the iron we're not sharpening. We can sharpen up your skills all you want. You want to do cross, cross, behind your back, cross, cross, hesitate, take two steps, full back, shoot the jump. You can do all that. I get these kids, they are great when it comes to skill. But when it comes to thinking the game of basketball, I think they're two steps behind. And that's why the European players that come over can dominate because they're so much mentally ahead of them from in terms of how to play basketball. That's why Lucas says it's easy. Because you're not thinking on the level I'm thinking at. Well, yeah, Luca been playing ball against grown men since he was 12. Right. They turned pro over there at 14, 15. Right. And that's what I – same thing I tried to explain to Dario. When he turned 15, I said, you won't be playing ball with no kids no more. You're playing ball with grown men. You're going to play with my friends now. You know? Right. I've been playing ball against grown-ups since I was 10, men and women, since I was 10. Maybe before that, maybe I was nine. And I had to hustle. You wanted the ball, you had to hustle. You know, I noticed nobody cuts anymore. Yeah, nobody cuts to the basket anymore. Everybody hangs out around the perimeter. Nobody hangs out. Everybody runs. We used to call it five out. Um, Or you, yeah, it's mostly five out. You shooting around, or it's the dribble drive philosophy that um, Kentucky uses. And the only reason Kentucky really uses dribble drive or it used to be 
what was he at before Kentucky Memphis? The only reason mm-hmm. Memphis was using dribble drive was because they didn't have – I mean, they had five guys that showed up, like, on Sunday, like, oh, that's our team. All right. Well, what's the easiest offense to learn? Well, we do dribble kick. There's not too many elements in dribble kick. Mm-hmm. Simplicity. We can go on and on all night about this because it's just the, the, the fundamentals of the game, but it's also where the game is dying at because everybody said, well, that's that European style ball. No, it's not. If you look at the game in Europe, yes, it's evolved to big men being able to shoot, but they know how to play on the block as well. Right. Every big man does not shoot threes. You know, they can shoot a jumper, and that, that used to be the way to defeat Shaq. Make Shaq chase you out, you know, 15, 17 feet because you can knock down a jumper. Get, get him out that lane. That's how you, you, you play offense against Shaq because you wasn't going to stop him on the defensive end. Big country shooting fits. Yeah. And he, he said that. He said, man, I blinked two times and he got 20 points. Yep. Rick Smith was one. Rick Smith could take you down low on the block at seven for four. But if you felt like he felt like you could muscle him because he was slim. He would take you and bring you out to no man's land for a center at the time, which is about 15 to 17 feet, you know, either side of the the, the free throw line. And he could knock down a jumper fluidly. And he had one of the most silkiest, smoothest jumpers for a big man. Then you had guys like uh, Ike Austin. Ike Austin could take you out to about 13 to 15 feet and shoot. Um, Terry Mills could shoot from three. And he played the center. He would check centers on the defensive end and then come down, be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to bust this three in your mouth. Bang, I'm gone. And run back down court. He he was fluid at that, at 6'10". You know, most people don't remember Terry Mills. You don't know about Terry Mills. Go look up Terry Mills. Played with Detroit, played with Miami. Dude could shoot. He was a bald-head black dude that could shoot. <laughs> but everybody say, well, that's where it started. No, that's not where it started at. When you got a guy like Dirk who was – listed at seven feet but Dirk would pay, play you on a block and shoot fadeaways and shoot over top of you Dirk could come down and shoot a three and transition if he wanted to he didn't change the game but it, damn it he played so well you was like you forget that Dirk's seven feet tall because of the way he played but the way these big men play now it's like they only know how to do is shoot the three nobody learns how to play on the block anymore and I, I always say if you can shoot the three fluidly great but what are you going to do when that shot's not falling that day? You got to go to something else because your team needs those points. Go to the block and dominate. Dominate on the block, too. Start hitting jump hooks in the lane and everything like that. It may may not be flashy as a three, but damn it, you're putting points on the board. You're contributing. Instead of just missing shots, you're jacking up 27 threes and only hitting two. You two for 27 with six points when you could have been, you could have took maybe 21 of those shots in the paint but that's just me and i'm going to get out of here excuse me i'm going to get out of here because i'm getting ready to go off um thank you all for listening uh <laughs> we we, we got to call this well, the, uh, no we gotta since this was normally our tuesday format we gotta give big shout out to the women, um, maryland women's team um the young lady from i think it's alba clark comes into town they blow them out by 20 um, I think Merlin's ranked seven. They were Alba was ranked six. Mm. So Freeze got a big win, and they looked like oh, one of my kids will always, one of my basketball kids will always tell you. I say one thing: if we're the same team in February that we were in November, then 
I failed you as a coach. And last night watching Brenda Freeze, I got to give roses. I got to – I don't have to eat crow because I didn't say that bad about it. But I thought Brenda was going to struggle, and they looked really good last night. So I got to give props to Brenda Freeze um, and the Lady Terps. Let me ask you this before we go. Do you think that we can finally – well, not finally. Do you think we can put Brenda Freeze in the same breath with Gino Oriema, Pat Summit, uh, Muffet McGraw, um, who am I leaving out? I know, I know that list that you're talking about. I don't know. See, I'm hesitant. Like, I feel like she's she's not in the A class, but she's right there in the B plus class. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, 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 if we talk about um, quarterback tier A or tier one, you might have five guys in tier one, but tier two is where I would put her in. Like, she's in that in that Kirk Cousins. Um, those guys that can win you 10 games, they still get you 4,000 yards. Like, she's in that class. She's going to win her 20-ball game. She's going to win. Um, I think she has one title. I, I, we can look that up later um, because this was just on the cuff. But just from a um, coaching style or whatever, I wouldn't trade. I would. I don't know if I'd take too many coaches before I take her. Like, I think, no. it's, I think it's Dawn Staley, Oriyama, Pat Summit. Um, that's why I was leaving out. I was leaving Dawn. I don't know how. Yeah, yeah. Out. You know, those 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 people are, I think, my ones. And I think Brenda Freeze falls in that next category um, just underneath that. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm Because I, I was going to ask another question. Now, but nope. Oh, nope real nope. quick. I'll, do, I'll just be succinct. Uh, when you said the, the T is a quarterback, you're talking about active quarterbacks or all time? Just active, not all okay. time. Okay. Because all time is – there's my one and then everything everybody else. Well, um, Johnny but, United's wasn't on tier one. We got a problem. I would have to fight you over that. Well, we just got to fight. I mean, it's all good. <laughs> because I didn't see enough of United's. Like, I, like for me, you know what content? <laughs> all I'm going to say is, do I need to send you videos? No, because I've seen the videos. We watch the same shows. You know what I'm saying? I know, I know the Raiders. You know what I'm saying? When the Raiders poem hit, I know. You know no, what I'm look. saying? Hey, look, this this about to be. I'm about to tell you straight up. Field trip. <laughs> we yeah, can go to Baltimore. Field trip. <laughs> all right, man. All right. So that's all the time we got for tonight. Um, thank you for joining us. Oh man, this is just this is an impromptu show that we were supposed to get done last night. We got it done tonight. So I don't want to promise a show for tomorrow because you know we all in the midst of something. Um, but if we do come back tomorrow, we'll see you tomorrow. If we don't see you till Sunday or Saturday. See you then, but until the next time, you know the motto. We don't do no overtime, baby. We are out of here.